Hard Conversations with Patricia Anduli, Monday to Thursday, 10 p.m. till midnight. Science, technology, and environment conversations. Let's welcome uh, Group CEO Charles Ikerman, who is uh, the CEO of AVES Cybersecurity. We are talking managing the predictability of cyber risks. Thank you very much for joining us, Charles. Good evening, Patricia. Uh, thanks for having me. Now, as we enter this uh, beautiful time, festive season, we are also marred by a lot of cyber security risks. So how can a company uh, and individuals start managing the predictability of cyber risks? Yes, um, it's prime time for cyber criminals as well, unfortunately, because you know, we do all this online shopping and it's all these specials that we get. Uh, and all these events that are taking place, and they usually uh, pro- uh, uh, you know, um, use those kind of situations to, to, to send you specials and emails and things like that, and it usually comes via mails, you know, and, um, and, 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 and that's, I think, the thing. We have to be very wary of what we receive. If we, and now with Black Friday coming up as well, uh, they would use an event like Black Friday to actually do something and you think, oh, this is a bargain. Just be careful. I mean, just uh, just be vigilant. I think that's the big thing. Just be vigilant in what you see uh, on your mails and SMSs and WhatsApps and so on. Why should data rather than technology be the focus of cybersecurity strategies, especially uh, investments in this current day and age? Sorry, I didn't catch the first part of your question. What, why should? Why should data rather than technology oh. <clears throat> be the focus of cybersecurity? Yes, um, I mean, everything is, is actually about data. Uh, I mean, your personal identity, your name, your ID number, and all those kind of things are data. I mean, they're just zeros and ones on computers. Uh, for a company, it's obviously their financials, uh, their, their client databases, and the special recipes, whatever, whatever you can think about, and those things need to be protected because certainly you wouldn't want that to get into the wrong hands. So, uh, so one is to make sure that um, how you get, gain access to that uh, information is done in a in a in a, in a very secure way. Um, I always use the example of you won't use one key to open your vault and your front door and your car and everything. So. That key is nothing else than more, a bit more complex username or password and so on. So um, one needs to make sure that uh, access to that data, whether it's just in the cloud, uh, I mean, these days we save almost all our things in the cloud. So if it's saved there, make sure one, one uses uh, secure ways uh, in terms of how you, how you save it uh, in those environments. Most definitely. And what should a company specifically be doing to protect data, especially in a hybrid and converged data world? Well, um, I think um, it all starts off with, uh, from a company point of view, it all starts from a governance perspective. So the boards uh, or senior managers in organization needs to set the tone in terms of what are the frameworks or the policies that you um, uh, that you uh, that you need to have in place, and then from there, your IT resources, whether it's in-source or outsource or so, they need to make sure that they implement the right technology and business processes in order to ensure that that data is protected. 
so uh, so yeah, it, it must start from a from a from a board level up, and then things like as I already mentioned, using of course, but we call it identity and access controls. We want to control how data has been accessed and how it's been done, and then um, obviously you also want to make sure that your your data is always available. So if something does happen and disaster is all struck, unfortunately, uh, at some stage. And uh, if, if that data is in compromise, you want business continuity practices in place, which means that you need to make sure you've got proper backups and they, they, are, not, uh, they are not on the same uh, server platform where your main production operations are. And keep, them, keep them separate or keep them segregated, that if your main systems are compromised, at least you can recover uh, in a reasonable time frame, depending on what the organization's um, Recovery objectives are. Is it an hour or a day or a minute? You can imagine if you're a bank, you can't be off for two hours or five hours for that matter. But if you're a panel beating shop or some other shop, I mean, business can still carry on and you can recover like within a day or so. So one is to look at those recovery objectives in order to, um, to, to make sure. So yeah, it's about the confidentiality, the integrity, and the availability of your data. But another question here, especially as we hit the silly season, for consumers, how do consumers know that they're entering secure sites, especially when they need to do online payment um, or even bookings for holidays and the likes? How do we know that this site is secured and I'm, I'm not going to find that my banking details are now used for other things? Yes. There's a, there's a, um, if you go into the normal internet banking and so on, you'll see there's a little lock uh, on the top, uh, and that usually says that that's an uh, encrypted section. Uh, it also, if you can also look at the, you know, the URL, I mean that uh, that address, that web address that you are typing on the top, if, if that is open, if that lock is, is, is open, if it's unlocked, and they ask you to put your banking details on, I would certainly not do that because that means that that data could be intercepted. And uh, don't, I, I think don't generally, don't um, do bookings via things like Facebook and so on. Use reputable platforms. If it's a platform uh, that you don't know, or, you know, um, then I would suggest like, be very wary. Maybe then if you're unsure, Google a bit whether this is a reputable company, because I've heard so many cases where people have, made bookings for holidays and things like that, and then it was just a scam. So they imitated this holiday resort, but if you look at the address, the, uh, the web address, <clears throat> where you have to go, sorry, where you have to go, you, you would immediately see that it is actually not, um, it, is not it doesn't look like the right place. So be, be on the lookout. Be on the lookout uh, in terms of which uh, sites you are going to. And, as I said, if there's a little lock, we call it an encrypted session, <clears throat> then I think you're, you're already in, the, in better hands. All right. So the onus is on companies and on individuals to ensure that uh, we are all safe and secure when it comes to cyber risks. But then if I am a person who has just gone into a site that is a copycat site for a bank or a, a big company, can I then go back and go to the original company and say, 
look, I have been duped. They've taken my money. And it was under the disguise that it was your company. Yeah, unfortunately not. Uh, I mean, you are the user of it. Um, but this is where things like uh, cyber insurance come in. I mean, there are cyber, cyber insurance that companies can take out mm. um, to, to protect them against certain of these, uh, these kind of digital risks, if I can call it that. Mm-hmm. So you can outsource some of that risk. But, um, but yes, I mean, we've heard, we've actually seen, where uh, a lawyer, for instance, sends someone a, a mail, and this is sort of like the same principle, we uh, send the client a mail that, uh, with the banking details for to pay money into uh, some sort of um, uh, trust account or so, and that mail was then modified before it got to the end user, and the user paid three million rand uh, into what the lawyer said was the bank account. And it was the wrong bank account, and the guys are gone with three million rand. Not the the individual tried to see the the lawyers in, but I mean the lawyers said, "You didn't pay the other you know." So it was uh, it was a loss of the consumer in that case. That itself is a very long discussion in terms of how how chips actually be handled, uh, verification and all these kind of things and so on. So all of sudden. And from that uh, organization at the same time, if you're paying a lot of money and you know that you're going to do that holiday or you're going to have that transaction, maybe just pick up the phone and just to check this list that we look legit, that people sound legit at least. Mm. You know, when you speak to someone, at least you can get an idea of that, oh no, this doesn't, uh, this doesn't sound right. I think, in summary, one is to take a zero trust approach. If we like as people, we want to trust people and things like that and so on. But you don't know who sits on the other side of that computer. So rather take an approach that I don't trust anything that I see and I really want to make sure that this is the right thing. Don't take the assumption that I trust it and then you learn from it. So, you know, take, take ownership, don't do anything in that regard. Yeah, trust nothing when it comes to online and uh, scrutinize and do your due diligence all the time. Now, um, there's something called a pattern of life. How can companies um, adopt a pattern of life approach to data management and security? Yes, a very, very good question. You know, um, I'll give you an example. Um, I would um, do my normal mails during normal operating hours from 8 o'clock in the morning to 4 or 5 in the afternoon or so. And I would access um, our databases and so on, probably also during those those hours, normally. Uh, I have access, I've got the key to access my data, and it's all very good. But now, suddenly, at 2 o'clock in the morning, I try to access it with me, but it looks like it's I'm going to have to um, disturb you a bit. We can't hear you very clearly. So I'm going to send you back to Ben, and then we'll need to come back and repeat. There's something not okay with your line. A-teamers, we are in discussion with uh, Group CEO Charles Ickerman, who is uh, uh, from AVES Cybersecurity, talking, managing the predictability of cyber risks. We know uh, a lot of people have uh, cried foul when it comes to cyber risks and it's becoming more and more prevalent in South Africa so we need to 
definitely watch out. Charles is back. Charles, can we please uh, just recap on uh, that last thought that you were giving us? Yeah, sorry. Yeah, I am far away. I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> but hopefully I'm now closer. We hear you loud um, and clear now. Yeah, very good, very good. Um, yeah, so so no, let's say, for instance, I want to now try and access that information. And it looks like I'm, ca- I'm coming from Germany um, or from Russia or from America at 2 o'clock in the morning. Obviously, that's abnormal, which means that my normal behavior, my normal pattern of life is in the mornings. And now I'm trying to access that same information with the right username and password. It doesn't mean it was the wrong username and password. That is abnormal. Now, how do you handle that? And this is what we call the monitoring of pattern of life. It is uh, basically our logarithm that we put in our back-end systems, in our monitoring systems, that we will monitor and say that behavior is abnormal. That kind of access from that location, from that time of day, is abnormal. It's the same with your banking transactions. If you suddenly try to make banking transactions from a different location, the bank will pick it up and they say, wait a minute, we're not aware that you're overseas at the moment or so. So that's why it's probably handy to let them know. Uh, and that's what we call pattern of life. It is your normal behavior, which now becomes abnormal, and you then want triggers in place to, 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 to warn you and say, oh, is this really you? So, you know, you really want to verify that it is really you. Otherwise, that data could actually be ciphered or stolen by cyber criminals sitting somewhere else in the world. So one one other way that I've noticed that cyber crimes are taking place is uh, via social media uh, pages being hacked. Here's a question from Donald in Rustenburg who says, Good evening, Patricia and all A-teamers. These days there are those scammers for cryptocurrency with nice profile pictures, especially ladies, and they have fun names. What can we do to block those people so that they cannot even access our contact details or requesting us to be their friends? Well, uh, again there, uh, the, the, respons- the responsibility and onus is you as a user. You know, we are inquisitive beings. Human, human being is like, we're inquisitive, you know, uh, and, and certain things trigger us. So certain things uh, is of interest. I mean, this happens on things like um, dating sites and Facebook profiles. If it's, I mean, let's be honest here. Uh, I mean, if you're 50 years old and there's a 20-year-old trying to connect to you, is that, does that look real? I mean, does it really? Is it, is it really? <laughs> You know, you know, so so one must be practical about these things and uh, and ask yourself, does it make sense? I know, I know, it's a difficult question. You know, like, does it make sense? Because, like, I want this to make sense, but does it make sense? And careful what you share. You know, we're we're in this whole situation with a poppy legislation and so on, protecting private information, but yet people people share an awful lot amount of information about themselves. Uh, on, on, on social media, Facebook and so on. They, they go overseas and they show a photograph of their air tickets to Mauritius or, or, or Hawaii or whatever. What is that telling? It tells them exactly they're not going to be at the house, which means that now they can target them in a different way. You know, people just share too much. Uh, I think one must, be, one, must, one must also be a bit reserved in terms of what confidential information is to share because the moment you share it, it's not confidential. It's not conf- confidential anymore, and you cannot expect anyone to respect your privacy because you have shared your privacy. It's now public domain. 
so yes, um, Facebook and, and all these different kinds of platforms have got many, many scammers. Um, and they would try and uh, blackmail you maybe. Um, they would uh, get certain information that you've shared and then they say, well, we've got this information about you or we've got this database or we've got this photographs and if you don't do the following and pay the following money into this account or or load airtime or whatever the case may be, then, um, you know, then uh, um, and that becomes a difficult situation. There are ways how one can tra- bring those kind of accounts down. So there are ways and means of doing it, but... Uh, so, so there are technology and, and platforms available how you can bring those social accounts down, which are known to be criminal kind of activities and so on. But uh, that that will be for a, for another discussion. But it is possible to, to bring those kind of accounts down if you're aware of it. All right. Um, maybe just give us a snapshot. How do we bring them down? Because I've I've seen a lot of people posting and saying, look, if someone has asked you for money via inbox uh, on Facebook and using my account that's not me so clearly you know these people are going to people with uh, big profiles a lot of followers and uh, p- pretending to be them and asking for money and and people will send money only to find out later that this was not the person so maybe do mm. give us the tips how do we bring those fake accounts down um there's um there are technologies available which you can subscribe to uh, and I mean, if any, any of the users want to to know the name uh, of those technologies, they're more than welcome just to drop us a mail, uh, and then we'll sort of point them in the right direction. But there are technologies available which you subscribe to, which is uh, um, which uh, is if if anyone imitates uh, imitates you or um, you you know it's a it's a it's a, it's a bad a, a bad site. You, because of your subscription association, you can then register that, re- that specific request. Obviously, you can't just like leave it open for anyone just to bring anything down because that means good accounts can also be brought down if someone is malicious uh, or has got a malicious intent. But there are ways and uh, how you handle that subscription can bring a specific fake account down where someone is maybe, maybe imitating you. And so, but this is not my account. This is not who I am. Um, and then, because of a subscription, um, with the arrangements that are in place with Facebook and all these places and so on, you can actually block that uh, that specific account. But this, but uh, your listeners is more than welcome just to drop us a mail and, and we'll point them in the right direction. All right. Uh, thank you for that. So before we end our discussion, I will ask you for your contact details. Shall where should companies be prioritizing their IT investments? Where should companies prioritize? Their IT investments. IT investments. I think um, cyber awareness training uh, has become a critical function. Um, you can't expect the IT department alone to handle cybersecurity. I mean, they can cover so many bases, but the end users, the users that are um, that are using computers, they are usually the weakest vulnerability. And if you can create what we call a, a human firewall, if you can create your users to be savvy in terms of how to how to manage the computers, how to be responsible users of their uh, responsible users of their computers and so on, I think there must be investments in that. It, uh, South Africa population is now only starting to make those kind of investments, and that needs to be expedited um, because because we we're seeing just more and more social engineering attacks taking place. 
Um, a proper, uh, what we call an endpoint protection, a proper antivirus. Um, don't, uh, don't download the free version. Uh, the free version is often created by cyber criminals. So buy a reputable, uh, a reputable software, um, a reputable piece of antivirus that will, I mean, just to give you an idea there, there's about four new variants of uh, cyber viruses launched every second of the day. That's the amount of variants that are created uh, on a daily basis. So get a proper antivirus, make backups, make backups of your data, because you are going to be compromised at some stage. It's not a question of maybe, it's a question of when, unfortunately, as bad as it may sound, but that's unfortunately. So make sure you've got backups either in the cloud or uh, on separate uh, hardware, which is not on the same uh, computer that you're using. So make backups of that software. And, um, and then patch management, I think, is, is probably the other major thing. You know, these patches are very irritating because we it, it uses data and I can't use my computer right now and it has to update first. Do those updates. There's a reason why those updates are being launched because the software vendors like Microsoft and Google and all these guys and so on, they identify weaknesses in their own software, what we call it a zero day. They identify these weaknesses in the software and the code, and they then write code to patch it. They patch that hole for, because cyber criminals use those holes to access your, uh, your computers and so on. So do those patches. Make sure your patches are, are, being, are, are properly being done. And um, yeah, I think those are like four core things that I think users can do. And from an organization point of view, if the policy, if the policies and the frameworks are from a governance point of view is not being set, you cannot expect your IT people to actually prevent your organization from being compromised. It is the board's responsibility, it's the management responsibility to ensure that those frameworks are put in place, that the direction has to be given from a board level, and then your technical resources need to make sure that they execute it in such a way that, um, that the organization is as safe as possible. Now, what is required for a next-generation security operations center? A next-generation SOC is what we spoke about earlier, is the, is the, the predictive monitoring of your or all of your, of, of your data, so that the pattern of life uh, that we spoke about earlier. So you can have an antivirus and a firewall, and uh, you do your patches and all these kind of things and so on. But if you and, and those logs, in other words, is your computer when you switch it on, it creates a log. It says I've just switched my computer on. When you open a piece of software, it also creates a log. So it's a, tra- a, a track record of everything that your computer does. Now that track record or these logs needs to be sent into a central location. It's the same as your alarm system. Um, when your alarm system goes off, someone monitors it and then they can respond to it. The same principle in IT. It's no use, you've got an alarm system and a siren goes off and no one responds to it. Um, these days that's not quite gonna work. So you want some action to be taken if something malicious or malicious intent has been detected. And that, that means that you want a, a monitoring service of your computer environment and you want it 24 by seven and you want it in a predictive manner, which means that, um, which means that if, there, if there are certain behavioral patterns or certain risks 
that are being uh, that are being detected you want to automatically create like a remediation process where either someone is notified or a specific computer is taken offline until further investigation has been done so it's, we call it orchestration or it's an automated process to make sure that that computer or that potential risk is being eliminated it's like the with the banks where they can temporarily block your credit card because there's a whole lot of funny transactions happening there. And then until they've verified that those were legit, will they then unblock it? Same principle on your computers as well. Is a new generation SOC needs to monitor it and then say, guys, ladies, gents, we are seeing something funny happening. Let's just quickly investigate this before we allow this computer to actually further work. So one is to... One is to, it is a very fine line in terms of how you monitor that. And that's what the next generation SOC does. So you can create a more predictive way in terms of cyber risks that are, being, that are, that are taking place on a specific uh, IT state, as we would call it. And uh, for those who are asking themselves, how can AVES, cyber security, help my company? How can you help them? Yeah, what we what we normally do is um, we we would do a high level assessment, and that we can just do over the phone. So we do a uh, we do like an hour assessment, and we look at we take a 360 view, uh, and we ask a couple of questions, and then we give you a bit of a high level roadmap of what you can do or your service provider can do uh, in order to uh, in order to resolve it. And then we and then we put a plan together. I think once you've done an assessment, then you say, okay, this is where we are now. What do we need? Where do we want to go? What do we want to achieve? So put a plan or a strategy together, and then only the third step do you start what we call remediation. Then you then you implement the right technology and the right uh, the right services from whoever is providing it to you, and um, to make sure that your plan is now being executed. And then we do and then training and awareness is important because there's no use putting a whole lot of technology in your organization and no one has got their fingerprints on the technology. In other words, people don't know how to work it. Um, they need to, your individual users also need ownership. Therefore, you need to bring them into the equation. And hence why training and awareness is, is important. And then the next step is uh, monitoring. Monitoring your environment for two reasons. One is that you get a proper return on investment, that the technology that you have implemented is actually giving you the kind of results that you anticipated. Because, I mean, let's face it, technology is expensive. And you've got people and you've got all these programs that you have to pay and subscribe and renew every year and so on. And you want to make sure you get the best back for your money. And it's not about implementing a lot of technology. It's about implementing the right technology that is fit for purpose for your organization. So you want to monitor it, that you can also create a, a prediction to say, guys, we are picking up certain risks. And then the last element is where um, is, is what we call incident response. At some stage, as I say, there is going to be a problem. You're not going to drive your car, never going to have a flat tire ever in your life. The same principle is effective in, in IT as well. We know it. You know, sometimes things go wrong. It's like, why did it go wrong? Well, we don't know. There's, there's something has happened. There was an incident. So, so you also need to be prepared. When that incident happens, that you can recover as quick as possible. That we call incident management. So it's a response service that you then have to do either with your own staff or an outsourced uh, company or so. So incident response. And then you're, 
then you sort of like just continuously evaluate and continuously improve from there uh, on a year-to-year basis as technology changes and as the organization's uh, objectives or enterprise objectives as they change, mm-hmm. you also maybe need to tweak and modify uh, the kind of technology uh, and the business processes um, that you implement in your organization. So that's how, how we typically go about. So Charles, how do people get in touch with you? They're more than welcome um, to go to our website, um, uh, AVES, Alpha Victor Echo Sierra, AVES.CRZA, or they can just send us a mail, info at AVES.CRZA, and, uh, which is probably the better option, and then we can just reach out to them and uh, give them a couple of pointers. As I say, if they you. want to have a quick assessment, we can quickly help them through that. Excellent. Thank you so very much for joining us. Thanks, Patricia. Um, Blessings, and I hope you have a good evening, and uh, everyone stay safe. Thank you very much, Charles. Eighteen minutes, it's a minute after 11. Let's go straight to the news with Greg Host. Good evening, Greg.